Welcome to Parse, the official podcast of the Elahe Omidyar, Mir Jalali Institute of Iranian Studies at the University of Toronto. In Persian, Parse means strolling or wandering around as an observer of contemporary life and modernity. In a similar spirit, our podcast Parse aims to take our listeners on an intellectual stroll in the field of Iranian studies, where they can listen to different ideas from leading thinkers, academics, activists, and authors in the discipline. Our podcast will provide thought-provoking excerpts from lectures and seminars organized by the Iranian Studies Institute at U of D to make the extensive work we do with our partners more accessible to academics and non-academics alike across Canada and beyond. The eighth episode of Parse is an excerpt from a talk given by Farzane Milani in which she describes the profound influence the works of Persian poet and filmmaker Farooq Farrokhzad has had on her intellectual and career development. Milani recounts the challenges she has faced as a scholar of Farrokhzad's life and works, and what can be done to bring Iranian female poets at the forefront of studies in Persian literature and poetry. Milani is the Raymond J. Nelson Professor of Iranian Literature and Gender Studies at the University of Virginia. She has published several books and articles in both Persian and English, and written for the New York Times, The Washington Post, Miss Magazine, USA Today, and many more. She has received numerous awards for her prolific contributions to the field of Middle Eastern and Gender Studies. In 2021, the Nobel Committee of the Swedish Academy invited Milani to join as a member of its Board of External Experts for Literature, a role which she will serve for three years. on December 7, 1967. You might be interested to know that the first entry in my diary after my arrival uh, in the United States at a rather early age was this observation that there are no walls around the houses here. Now my views on walls have evolved over the years. I'm now aware of visible and invisible walls. I now better understand the protecting and restricting, the uniting and the dividing nature of walls. I'm also now aware of invisible rails the ones that cloud minds, that cloak words, that envelop truth, that fight openness. I'm now aware that the total lack of walls, veils, and borders is an illusion that refuses to be called what it is, an illusion. Now, leaving Iran in 1967 also made me aware of my identity as an Iranian. It is no exaggeration to say that I became Iranian after I left Iran, or at least 
that I became aware of my Iranian identity when I left Iran. When I was in Iran, I never had to introduce myself as an Iranian. It was as clear as the oxygen in the air. After arrival, I switched major. I had studied dental, uh, dentistry in Iran. When I came to the US, I switched to French literature, uh, French being uh, one of, uh, other than Persian, the other language that I was also exposed to as a child. And I went to a French school for 12 years. So conveniently, I wanted to graduate in French literature. But then when I realized that I could switch major, I, I did once again. And I have to say, I became a butt of joke. Uh, everybody said that she will never graduate as soon as she's close to the finishing line. She's going to switch major. And go from dentistry to French literature and now to complete and God knows what's going to be next. Um, but I did, I, I switched to comparative literature. Mainly, I have to say, because I wanted to write my dissertation on Furukh Farouk Now many well-wishers, including some of my own professors, thought that that was not a wise decision. They argued with concern, and I was sure it was concerned for me, that an Iranian woman writing her dissertation on another Iranian woman, and that from a feminist perspective, was a triple, I remember somebody used that, said it's a triple professional suicide. More than four and a half decades later, I considered that choice a turning point in my life. Now you might be surprised that my introduction to Furukh was actually not through her poetry. I was mesmerized. I was stunned into silence by her booty. The short 22 minutes documentary, The House is Black. I vividly recall the scene. The smell of jasmine everywhere. The stars in the beautiful sky of Tehran in those days, close at hands. And suddenly I saw the disfigured portraits of men and women who were afflicted by leprosy on the television screen. I could barely see at those images but I also could not take my eyes away. 
I was mesmerized by the film. And I absolutely loved the melodious voice over Ofuro Farosan, who amazingly was only reading borrowed verses from the Bible. Every single line of Rufaro saw in that poetry, in that movie, are verses borrowed from the Bible. From then on, Farosad became a lifetime companion. She became a permanent fixture in my scholarly life. I remember my husband used to joke that I married one woman and two women moved in, Farzani, Milani, and Furu Farasa. In the 1970s, uh, when I was writing my dissertation on Furu Farasa's biography, my original intention, um, there were no biographies of any Iranian women available. Not that there was no biography on Farouk. To the best of my knowledge, there were no biography of, of any Iranian women. But I had somehow convinced myself that finding biographical data on this most autobiographical poet of contemporary Iran, and honestly, I think of all of Iran, would not be difficult. After all, she said it all in her own poetry, even in her film, which I consider to be an autobiographical film in more ways than one. I could hardly have been more wrong. My plan of amassing uh, information through interviews, uh, or archival research uh, was torted at every turn. Many men who claimed to be Farozad's lover were all too eager to share their experience with her. But her family, her colleagues, uh, her close friends, and um, the man uh, who was the lover uh, of her life for the last eight years of her life, Mr. Gulistan, simply refused to even meet with me. Others who met with me asked me with surprise, but why reveal the life of a dead person? In my biography at the time, I wanted to be factual. I wanted to be informative without being sensational about a life that had been turned into a sensational story. I wanted to steer clear of tattletales, innuendos, gossips, gossip about gossip. I wanted to be revealing, but not voyeuristic. 
I want it to be coherent, but not univocal. I want it to be canted as much as I could without being judgmental. Also, as a feminist, I wanted to avoid turning Farrokhzad's life into a metaphor for gender or even political agendas. I wanted her biography to offer a polycentric perspective. I wanted it to be the portrait of a wife, of a daughter, of a mother, of a biological mother and adoptive mother, of um, a poet, of a cinematographer, of an Iranian woman that I thought at the time and even today is of universal appeal and relevance. Thank you for listening to this episode of Parse. Your support is invaluable to us. To like, share, or listen to our latest episodes, please head to our pages on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you listen to your podcasts. To watch the complete seminars, please head to the Elahe Omidyar Mirjalali Institute for Iranian Studies website and YouTube page, which are linked in the description. See you again on our next episode.